Welcome back to Crimes from the East, your Desi true crime podcast. Well, it's not strictly true crime. We also cover strange phenomenon, which is actually more of my favorite. I love the strange phenomenon part. What about you, kind stranger? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just a feral child. Thought I smelled some raw meat. The worms were calling me. All I know is that I am... In my heart, a wolf. That's not strange at all. Hello, feral Alex. That's definitely needed to be my nickname at high school. Feral Alex. Welcome, welcome, feral Alex. How you doing? I got my second shot. The next day was um, a bit of a mini hell. I just lay on the couch for 12 hours. It was terrible. I felt like death. So you're a zombie now. I figured out what a zombie feels like and it's bad it was bad strangely enough i was totally fine the next day so it's just one day of crap and then you're fine if you could be a zombie for a day would you wanna yeah an honorary zombie sure as long as i don't have to eat brains because i don't want that cjb i found the name of that disease we were talking about in the feral child episode Kreutzfeldt okay. Jacobs disease. And w- what does what it do to called. you again? It kind of eats you inside out. Ugh. No, you have all kinds of neurological symptoms and um, it's almost like early dementia and you kind of waste away. It's terrible. So don't eat brains, people. Do not eat brains. And even any kind of like weird wild game, if you're hunting, uh, make sure that animal isn't sick. And if you have some kind of testing facility, you need to get your meat tested first before you eat it. <laughs> no, that's terrible. That's yeah. not how hunters work. But yeah, it's a risk you take when you live out in the wild. Yeah, no uh, carpaccios de, de brain. Carpaccio de brain. Tartare, yeah. right? Mm, I love me a tartare de steak. But yeah, probably shouldn't. So strange things. Are we talking about something strange, strange or crimey or feral? What have we got on our plate today? It's definitely true crime. It's very gory. You know what? Today's going to be the last case for our first season. Oh, my God. So this is like season one, yeah. our pilot season where we're trying to figure out who we are, what we enjoy and what we do best and kind of find our vibe. You know what I mean? So that's our crime so vibes. Nice. Crime Vibes, that could be another podcast title. Alex, you're giving out like free ideas. I know, someone needs to pay me for these ideas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so crimey with, with a side of gore. This case, it's powerful, it's horrifying, it's frustrating, and also gory. It's one where at the end you might find yourself on the fence about whom you side with. You know, it's one of those... Did he, didn't he, should we, shouldn't we have, you know. Today's saga is that of a vicious and ruthless slumlord gangster called Akku Yadav, who met his grisly death in a manner that easily writes itself into an over-the-top Bollywood drama. A word of warning, this episode does contain descriptions of graphic brutality and mention of sexual assault at many junctions, so... If that's something that upsets you, I'd give this episode a skip and, you know, go listen to another one of our lighter episodes. Now we have Feral Child. 
so tickled. <laughs> very light. Very, it's Just so light. a lot of child abuse. Yeah. Very light. Lots of worms. <laughs> worms. <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah. When we, you know, when we laugh, it's not, we're not laughing at the misery. We're kind of trying to find some, some levity in the situation so we don't go down a deep, dark rabbit hole of despair. You know, it's hard to keep reading and talking and writing about these things with and not getting sucked into that dark hole. So that's why we kind of keep the jokes going to keep ourselves going. I know, I know our listeners get that. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you listen to true crime without having a little, you know, morbid sense of humor, morbid sense of curiosity, morbid sense of smell. (laughs) All of the five morbid senses. All of them. All right. So are you ready, Alex? I'm ready. I'm strapped in. Hit me with the gore. Let's get into it. This case takes place in Nagpur. Have you heard of Nagpur? Yes. You have? Of course. Okay. What what do you know about it? Let's hear it. I know that there is a place in the world called Nagpur. Mm -hmm. And? (laughs) Period. Full stop. The end. And um, that is... A place in the world. Okay. <laughs> I see. I think it has something to do with snakes. <laughs> because of Nog? Yes. Whoa, I didn't think of that. Maybe there's some like sacred snake temple or something there. I'm telling you. Which is why it's called Nagpur. So Nagpur is in central India, really, but it is in the state of Maharashtra. So the language spoken there is Marathi. Do you speak Marathi? I understand it. I don't really speak it. I am half Maharashtrian. So, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Marathi people. I should have learned. I should have learned it. But, see, we never spoke it at home. So, I didn't learn to speak it. But I understand it. I feel that. I feel that struggle. I've been chastised several times while I lived in Maharashtra. For not speaking the language. Because they'd see my name and start talking to me mm-hmm. in Marathi, right? I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Slow down. I don't understand you. And they're like, wait, you don't speak it? And I'm like, nope. Why don't you speak it? And I'm like, excuse me, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, I don't need to answer to you. Yeah, there's a sense of um, betrayal that I got from a lot of old Maharashtrians. That's a tough one. Stupid English, right? Yeah. Now, I haven't truly been to Nagpur. I've only seen it from the train. And from what I saw, it looked as hot as the sun. It's probably like Arizona, I guess. Oh, yeah? Like more than the rest of India? I wouldn't say more. I mean, a lot of India is pretty dang hot. It's probably one of the hot places in India. I don't think it's more hot than the rest of it. Okay. And by the way, since you didn't know, I'll tell you, my parents and your mom... Went to college in Nagpur, Alex. F- oh, I y- knew that. I definitely I, knew that. I just, I was keeping it to myself. No, you didn't. Come on. Shit. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Well, so I asked my mom, you know, about what her image of Nagpur was. And this was back in the 70s. It may, it may be different from how it is today. But she said it was a chill place. It was very safe, but a very highly politicized environment. And there was a lot of like student okay. politics going on and... Yeah, the youth was really involved in those kind of activities. I feel like that's usually the sign of a good place. Probably. No? I mean, I have no idea. It's not great 
when there's a lot of protesting and student activism because like students are being killed on the streets like in Burma for political reasons but it is different in India than it is say in the US it's not just simply about having a campaign and vote for me cuz i'll do xyz it's yeah, more yeah. like uh, let's go beat the opposition you know let's beat yeah. them to a pulp <sighs> <laughs> yeah, literally force people to vote for us or else you know that kind of nonsense uh, so okay yeah i stay far okay. away from that oh mom did say that my dad used to love eating some dessert called dil bahar or something like that at a place near jagtap dairy road what is that i don't I have no idea it's probably some kind of like ice cream and sherbet and all kinds of syrup and who knows dil bahar it looks like is it like a sunday? It looks like a loaded baked potato. Is it made of potato? <laughs> what? It's a sweet made from the popular dessert gulab jamun filled with a sweet creamy filling Ooh. and topped with crushed nuts. So, it's like a repurposed gulab jamun. So, gulab jamun sunday. I'm into it. Oh, I'd like that. That sounds amazing. But it literally looks like a loaded baked potato. Really, really sweet potato. Nagpur is a big city and it's in the Vidarbha region in the state of Maharashtra. And if you ask any Desi person what they think of when you say the word Nagpur, 9 out of 10 people will say oranges. It's India's orange city. It's uh okay. Florida from another motherland. Nagpur has the zero mile marker from the colonial times of India. Okay. So what that means is back in the day, you know when the living white devils or british invaders as you might know them, <laughs> a bunch of them probably held up their stubby toe thumbs and index fingers at 90 degrees. <laughs> Shame. All over and they declared Nagpur as the geographical center. for their empire all over the indian subcontinent okay all of india back then pakistan and bangladesh also of course yeah had their geographical center in nagpur according to <laughs> the white devils the colonial overlords and we know how much good came from their line drawing and border devising oh yeah so many flags all over the country Okay. So, but was this like the center center of the can we call it a colonial empire of the was this sort of the central point for British colony? It was. Yeah. Even okay. now uh Nagpur is part of Central India and although the geographical center isn't any longer in Nagpur it's moved to Madhya Pradesh which is a state right okay. next to it. So, yeah. It, it is kind of right in the middle of the Indian subcontinent. They weren't far off. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. That India was different. We had Pakistan and Bangladesh as part of our country, you know, all our Desi brothers and sisters from the neighboring countries. And we're still mm-hmm. united in our Desi hearts. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't let political lines break us that way. So, yeah. love to our Bangladeshi and Pakistani listeners. Yolo. The Vidarbha region has some very dense forests and abundant wildlife as well including tiger reserve forests which currently house 50 wild tigers as well as leopards bears hyenas deer and many many more animals and birds 
and an unknown quantity of feral children, I imagine. Like, oh, the this isn't that far from Mowgli land, so <laughs> you're not probably not wrong. It's so funny when um, I read there were 50 wild tigers in this forest that they're trying to preserve. And we know after watching Tiger King that there are tens of thousands of tigers in the thousands U.S. in the U.S. It's crazy. crazy. Now, I was reading through Wikipedia trying to find more interesting things to tell you about Nagpur. There's a usual, it's Mm -hmm. a clean city, fast growing, smart city, blah, 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 you know, that kind of drivel essentially. But (laughs) what caught my eye is that this is Vidarbha. Now, Vidarbha is one of the worst governed regions in Maharashtra with acute, heartbreaking poverty faced by the most crucial people in the world, thanks to whom you and I can eat. The farmer. There have been more than 200,000 farmer suicides in this region in the last decade, owing to financial losses and lack of government support. And instead, they received instruments of sabotage by food giants like Monsanto, who gave them GMO seeds. Oh, yeah. Illegal Mm -hmm. seed. Yeah. Yeah. The ones who paid the price was the poor farmer. It's so shameful. Like, why do we forsake the most vulnerable? Yeah, that's what stood out in my mind when I read Nagpur and Vidarbha. And it may be the fastest growing smart city in India right now, but just outside the shiny lights of the city lies a graveyard of dead farmers who were let down by their elected officials. So you can do better, Nagpur. You can do better. Come on. I feel like that's a problem globally. We like subjugate people who are responsible for like our lives like feeding us it's crazy i mean why i mentioned this also is because it's a pattern of ignorance and apathy towards the vulnerable um, marginalized communities communities that already have nothing and need help Mm -hmm. it kind of forms a pattern of what we'll see in today's case which takes place in Kasturba Nagar. Kasturba Nagar is a slum just outside of Nagpur city. And in the narrow gullies of that slum, few children played outside and you wouldn't see people gather talking or chatting to each other, you know, the kind of hustle and bustle that you'd normally see in small Indian neighborhoods. It was an eerie place. It was silent and stoic. But why? In 2004, most of the people who lived there Worked odd jobs. They were daily laborers, domestic servants and such, uneducated and without much prospect beyond the low income or poverty that they had lived in. There was a fear among the 300-odd families who lived in the Kasturba Nagar slum. The fear of being targeted by the local gangster Bharat Kalicharan, a.k.a. Akku Yadav. Kalicharan was born and brought up in the very slum of Kasturba Nagar. But there was a marked difference between him and most of the others who lived there and feared him the most. Kali Charan was of the Yadav caste, while the majority of the other residents were of the lowest caste in Hindu society, those that would have at one time been considered untouchable. Is that the Dalit? Yes, that's right. Dalits. Yes, that's the word. Now, the meaning of the word untouchable is very different in the West than it is Uh, in India. In the West, 
The word denotes power and status. Being untouchable would mean that you are beyond reproach and at the peak of your station. Yeah, that's a good point. However, in India, untouchable has a literal connotation. One who must never be touched by other castes above them, as they were considered subhuman, owing to the nature of the work that their communities were made to undertake, simply by being born in that community. So it was kind of indignity of labor. Yeah, yeah, like because of the work that they do, they're polluted in a sense. I feel like there's a the concept of pollution is like a big one, not right. air pollution or in, environmental pollution, but spiritual pollution that you can get from like very physical, social, I don't know, random shit. I think it was a system <laughs> very cunningly created to keep a segment of people right at the bottom right at the mercy of the rest yeah. of society so that they they could be made to do all the unpleasant tasks that no one else wants to do. Yeah. It's a terrible part of our culture. It, it would be a mistake to think that it no longer exists because it still does. Okay. Despite it being illegal and punishable by jail time, people still find subtle and blatant ways to still discriminate and marginalize these communities, even in 2021. It's very much still part of Indian society. And a lot of the honor killings that we had discussed earlier uh, take place because mm -hmm. of this, because people from different castes uh, get married. Right. Not history. It's, uh, it's the present. It's yeah. going on right now. And it's pretty barbaric. I'm, I'm really happy that my parents didn't teach me any of this discrimination growing up. I never witnessed it. I didn't even know what mm -hmm. caste really was growing up. Yeah. You know, my dad kind of drilled it in me to respect any and all kinds of work and to never consider anything beneath you. Yeah. It really does depend on upbringing. And I hope that the current generation is raising their kids to be supportive and and love each other and be kind to each other and look at each other as equals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Kasturbanagar, since the early 90s, Akku Yadav, the son of a milkman, had slowly risen to the top of the gang in the slum. His henchmen would rob, kidnap, torture, and rape people in and around the slum. They would also extort money from businesses every week as Hafta Vasuli. Um, what's the term for hafta vasuli in English? You know, when gangsters demand money for safety, what is it called? Let me see. I'm trying to think. Uh, for protection? A racket? Kind of like a racket, yeah. I don't know if there's a word for it in English. Apparently in Italian, it's called the pizzo. The pizzo. I will take my pizzo in the form of pizza, please. Kali Charan was extremely paranoid of an uprising against him. He forbade children from playing in groups, men from talking to each other, and basically he made sure every family felt isolated and helpless. Like a mini dictator. Unlike any normal Desi community where you would see aunties standing outside their homes and chatting or... Yeah. Gossiping. Gossiping and kids running around making a ruckus. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see any of this. He also wanted to make sure that there was an easy way to escape in case he was being chased. If there was any clutter on the streets or lanes between the huts, 
he would beat the residents till they picked it all up. Wow. Yeah, he was really paranoid. This seems kind of psychotic. He's like a mini dictator. Yep. What is this, little North Korea? Him and his gang of criminals had been charged with gang rape back in 1991. But he was out on bail in no time. Despite having almost 24 cases of various crimes registered against him, he seemed to rule the roost with a narcissistic sense of impunity. His main source of income was extortion. So his gang would repeatedly harass people for money. And this is not like uh, big-time businessmen who are bringing in millions. Yeah, yeah. Just regular people. Like someone has a small grocery store in the slum selling small things, maybe a few dozen items and making a few rupees profit on each of them. He would still go and harass them. Sounds like the income tax, huh? No, I'm sorry. No. And if they resisted or refused, he would threaten the people not only with violence, but he would threaten the women in that family with rape. That was his weapon of choice. He controlled the men in the community by inflicting sexual assault on the women in their homes. Ugh, I hate him. Kali Charan would barge into the homes and drag the women away to derelict buildings where him and his gang would then commit sexual assault. Yikes. There are reports of Kalicharan targeting a 12-year-old girl in this heinous manner. What a piece of shit. Yep, he didn't even spare little kids. Monster. Total monster. The victims would go to the local police station to lodge complaints in the hope that the bastions of law and order would protect them and give out mm-hmm. the justice that they desperately needed. However, Akku Yadav, or Bharat Kalicharan, allegedly had been bribing all of the police officers in this jurisdiction of Jari Patka police station to look the other way while he established and flourished his seedy businesses of crime. And so most of Kalicharan's victims were hastily dismissed and ushered out of the police stations with some trivial excuses. Them belonging to a marginalized group added another challenge in being taken seriously by the police. And of course, the police will officially deny all of this, but there are enough people who had the same story of being laughed out of the station when they went to report their grievances. Over the course of 13 years, Kali Charan and his men had sexually assaulted someone in nearly every other home in the slum. And the police did absolutely nothing. In fact, if a victim would come to lodge the crime, they would report back to Kalicharan. And he would then retaliate with even more violence. What hellscape town is this? That's crazy. You would think, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't possible, but you'd think people would just leave. And yes, people did leave. There were almost 20 or 25 people who did leave the community and they moved out. For many, this was home and this was all they had. They couldn't afford to go. These weren't farmers, right? These aren't farmers. They're living just outside of the city, the border of the city. So they're all, you know, low-income workers of some kind or the other, like domestic servants who, the maids who work in your home, the cooks, the drivers, the workers who do construction, the people who really don't have the option to just up and leave. In one case, allegedly, 
Kali Charan banged on the door of a family at 5 a.m. He pretended to be a cop. When a man opened the door, Kali Charan forced his way in and stabbed him quickly on the leg. He then locked him in the bathroom before he could recover from the shock and then dragged the man's wife by her hair to an unoccupied building where he sexually assaulted her for hours. When she broke away, she went to the Jaripatka police station to lodge a complaint. The police staff who were there were most likely on Kali Charan's payroll, and they made fun of her. They questioned her why Kali Charan had picked her house at 5 in the morning. They accused her of having an affair with Kali Charan and only complaining now because she regretted it. Insensitive doesn't even begin to describe this kind of behavior. I mean, no. it almost sounds like the cops were part of his gang, you know? Yeah, basically. Yeah, like, what the hell, man? Uh, I just can't. It's too much. It's too much, yeah. The Kasturba Nagar residents said that Kali Charan had killed at least three people, if not more. And he would beat the victims mercilessly and throw them onto the train tracks to destroy all evidence. So this guy is like a serial killer. Yeah, pretty much. A serial rapist, mm-hmm. serial killer. He's just like pure Satan. He's out in public, which is even worse. Yeah, true. This guy is doing it in public. Everyone knows out in the open. That's crazy. He's not even hiding. He's not hiding whatsoever. No. He's just living a normal life. He's living his best life. Thanks to the Jaripatka police. No. So... I'm about to describe some really terrible crimes, and so please brace yourselves. And if if you are sensitive to descriptions of violence, maybe give us 10 minutes and then see you back, okay? One of the victims he killed out in the open was Asha Bai. When Asha's family was eating dinner, they heard a knock on the door, and someone identified himself as a friend of her son. When she went to open the door, she was viciously yanked outside and then stabbed multiple times by Bharat Kalicharan, a.k.a. Akku Yadav. Like a psychopath devoid of any emotion, he then cut off Asha Bai's ears so he could take her earrings and then cut off her fingers because he couldn't get her rings off. God! Why couldn't he just take the jewelry? Like, it's so gratuitous. He couldn't just say, give me your rings and earrings. He just had to cut it off. I think he was kind of making a statement and he saw no consequences to his actions. So it's almost like his inner demon was out in the open and thriving. It sounds like he literally has bloodlust. Yeah, bloodlust. Sadism. Sadism, for sure. He's a sadist. Psychopath (sighs) to the T. Asho Bhagat, another victim was brutally tortured in front of her daughter and some neighbors for hours by Kalicharan and his men. He cut off her breasts and then sliced her to pieces on the street while everyone watched. Oh my God, what the fuck? Avinash Tiwari, a well-meaning neighbor, was horrified by what he saw and he was determined to report Asho Bhagat's murder. But when news of his intentions reached the devil of Kasturba Nagar, he too was hacked to death promptly by Kali Yadav. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what is the um, significance between the two names, Aku Yadav and Kali Charan? So, like, one is his given name and one is his gangster name, or so Bharat Kali Charan is his legal name, and okay. Aku Yadav is kind of what he 
evolved into. Yadav is his caste. So he okay. probably took on that name to parade his caste in front of the community, which he was terrorizing because they were of a lower caste than him. Yeah. So a woman named Kalma had just given birth not more than 10 days ago when she was raped by this gang. Oh my God. Unable to reconcile with what had happened to her, Kalma set herself on fire and died. Another victim was seven months pregnant when Kalicharan and his men dragged her on the street, stripped her, and then sexually assaulted her in front of everyone, right there on the street. Pia, we're in hell right now. Like, this is a living hellscape. What was a few episodes back we were talking about, like, one of these hell spheres in Hinduism? I forget what it was called. Narak. We're in freaking Narak right now. We certainly are. Jesus. Krishna. And it was not a situation that couldn't have been corrected. It's just that all the cogs that were in place to correct the situation were oiled by this very devil. And so they did right. nothing. That's crazy how like money just takes the soul out of people sometimes. And they're just if as you... bad as this guy. Like I, I would hold them in the same regard as I would Kali Charan. If, yeah. if you are entrusted with the care of a community and you let this happen to them, then you did this to them. To them, yeah. You did this to them. Now, as we have discussed before, rape is a huge taboo in India. And as a victim of rape, a person will face stigma and irrational judgment from many people in society. And so it often goes unreported. Victims deal with trauma in silence, never getting the help, support, or justice that they deserve or need. However, many victims of Kasturba Nagar did muster up the courage to go to the police to report the crimes, but were turned away, often being ridiculed and harassed even further by the police in that jurisdiction. There is a case where allegedly, when a rape victim went to the Jaripatka police station, to report the assault on her, the cops raped her again. <gasps> what the fuck? And this is not I'm an sorry. isolated case, by the way. There are many, many such reports of cops raping rape victims when they come That's to report. just... How do you put any trust into society or other humans? And this doesn't happen to... The normal middle class, upper middle class people in society. So they have no idea yeah. this happens. To them, yeah. this is unbelievable. And they would be like, oh, you're just making this shit up. But nope, it happens. It happens to the communities who are pushed to the very brink of society, who are treated as subhuman. And it happens to them every day. What is it called? The less than missing? The less dead. The less dead. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's basically like that. Like, yep. since they're already on the margins of society, quote unquote, even though it sounds like these are the people who actually like are the backbone, literally, of the society, like doing all of the like jobs that help the hard labor. Yeah, help everyone else live in peace and comfort and whatever. But when they die, just no one cares because they are, quote unquote, nobody. Yep. 
less than. People are bad. This is why I want my kid to be raised by wolves. Wolves are a million times better than a society like this where the cops themselves are criminals. Go to the wolves. That's what I say. Yeah. I just keep thinking about the tigers, the 51 tigers, (laughs) and also the like thousands of tigers in the United States and how we just needed to like set those tigers loose. I mean, the only thing is that the tigers would have eaten everyone. (laughs) <laughs> definitely they nice, would have eaten but... the shit out of all of us we, we need a tiger pit and we need to put all of those people in the tiger pit oh i like this i like this it's very game of thrones <laughs> yeah make a tiger pit and throw in uh, people like kali Charan in there and be like here go survive if you can yeah. you think you're such a freaking tiger go go meet your match go try and rape that tiger see what happens piece of shit Sorry, I'm swearing a lot, but this is horrifying. Kali Charan kept the dirty money, alcohol, and other bribes going steady for the cops. In return, they protected and warned this guy when people spoke up about him. As long as this gangster kept his growing list of victims in the marginalized communities, the cops would look the other way. Despite having been arrested 14 times, despite having several open cases of all kinds against him, including an externment from Nagpur city. Bharat Kalicharan lived and ruled over his kingdom. Do you know what externment means? Externment. Externment, yeah. In Hindi, it's called tadipar. Basically, what it means is that the jurisdiction, the, the city of Nagpur banned him from entering their borders, their jurisdiction. Oh, it's like a banishment. Yes, like a banishment. So when someone is a repeat offender, you keep committing crimes over and over and over again. The city can't kind of banish mm-hmm. you and be like, don't come in here. Go do your business somewhere else. So there was an order of externment against him. But that just like extricates the city from the problem without actually addressing the problem, right? Well, you can't prosecute anyone for a crime that they may commit in the future. But you have an idea that they're probably going to do it. And that's why you banish them. Because you gave them not one, not two, but 14 chances. And they're still going on. Not that it stopped him. Because if he's committing murders and crimes of this nature, he doesn't give a shit about externments. Yeah. It's an easy charge to kind of throw him back in the locker for. Mm -hmm. It's an easy charge to say, hey, you're not supposed to be in the city. You're in the city. Back to prison you go. Right? You violated your terms of parole. Yeah. I guess the police couldn't find him uh-huh. to prosecute him for that. So Aku and the Jari Patka police, best friends forever. Best friends forever. Yeah. It isn't just cops that had his back. Local politicians often sought Kali Charan's violent henchmen services during elections. Someone's got to do the dirty jobs, right? And he was their man. Uh-huh. So he had political backing as well. This siege in Kasturbanagar was never going to end. Kalicharan had the slum in his grip and law enforcement by their nuts as well. <laughs> no one on the outside of this ecosystem knew nor cared about what was going on in Kasturbanagar. How is nobody like reporting these horrific crimes? This is 2004, so it's still very early days when it comes to social media. And unless everyone's watching the local news, no one's really going to know about this. 
It's not national yeah. headlines that some gangster is killing people and raping women. No one cares. It's not good enough for primetime TV. Maybe it's too bad. I mean, you said he was cutting a woman up on the in the middle of the street in front of an audience. You would think that, like, anyways, maybe something will happen. In the darkness that swallowed this little neighborhood, there was a ray of light in the form of 25-year-old Usha Narayane and her brother-in-law Vilas Bhande. Unlike most of the women in her community at Kasturbanagar, Usha was educated, she had a diploma in hospitality, and worked at a call center. Usha had seen enough pain and death and chose to risk her own life to make a change. Vilas Bhande, her brother-in-law, was a lawyer by profession and was also among the few educated residents there. Kalicharan had harassed and threatened Vilas for months on end, apparently because he refused to provide him with legal services and mm. also probably did not give in to extortion demands. So when Kalicharan sees that these two are doing well, they're getting educated, they're getting jobs, and he wants a cut of that, mm-hmm. they weren't good with that. They weren't ready to pay. Between July 27 and July 30th of 2004, Vilas and his sister-in-law, Usha Narayane, received several death threats from Kalicharan. Vilas was really afraid for their safety, and he sought the help of the deputy commissioner of police, thus circumventing the rotten circle of local law enforcement. And the DCP did assure him that, yes, we will take action, and, you know, we're going to do something this time. On the 4th of August, Vilas Bhande held a press conference and aired the dirty deeds of Bharat Kalicharan for the world to see. He expressed his frustration in getting justice and that the people had had enough bloodshed for the past decade. Vilas then organized a mass complaint signed by 96 residents attesting that the legally externed Kalicharan Yadav had been living in their basti or community, for the past Mm -hmm. decade, operating freely as a gangster and that he had not been caught by the law enforcement despite being reported on. Oh, shit. They're really blowing up his spot. (laughs) This mass complaint and press conference could no longer be ignored by the authorities. The community felt empowered and energized, and they kind of felt like they might be rid of this pest once and for all. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have some momentum. As expected, Kali Charan was intimated by his close pals at the Jaripatka police station, and he showed up with 40 men outside of Usha Narayane's home. Oh my God, terrifying. Threatening to throw acid in her face and gang rape her if she and her brother-in-law didn't take back the police report. Usha stood her ground, no less than a brave warrior staring at death in the face. She loosened the valve on a tank of pressurized natural gas and lit a match. Oh, shit! She declared to Kalicharan, if you come any closer, I will light this and then we will all die. I love her. The spineless cowards ran with their tails tucked between their legs. Yeah, they did. What a victory. 
Amazing. News of this heroic encounter spread in the community and ignited a flame in the hearts of Kasturbanagar. They had had enough. And now that Usha had broken the spell, they saw that Kalicharan was merely a mortal man of flesh and blood. The mob of people rushed to Kalicharan's home and burned the place down. They also burned the homes of three of his closest accomplices. But the men were nowhere to be seen. Fearing the wrath of the public, this gangster and his goonies fled to find shelter and safety. With whom? With whom, you think? The police. Yep. None other than his very best chaddi pals, the <laughs> Zari Patka police station, of course. He, and I'm air quoting here like a crazy person, surrendered to the police. Oh. So that they may imprison him for any one of the many, many active warrants against him. Uh This was 8th August, okay? Now, when he was being taken before a magistrate, which any person arrested has to be within 24 hours of being charged. Okay. His accomplices tried to pass a knife to him hidden in a blanket. For what? Now, there was a huge crowd of the Kasturbanagar residents right there watching every move, and they quickly caught that accomplice before he could succeed. They beat the daylights out of him before handing him to the authorities. There was a tension in the air for the next five days as the residents waited for Kalicharan to be presented in court for the indictments to begin. Mm. They had crossed all limits of patience, suffering, and now defiance. Uh If this time Kalicharan got bail again, or he escaped from imprisonment, he would surely retaliate with explosive violence. Oh, yeah. An outcome nobody wanted to let happen. No. Five days later, on August 13th, 2004, Kalicharan and three accomplices were led by three constables to the court building to get a bail hearing. Okay? Okay. The public was enraged. They had lost all faith in the justice system, having seen this man come out on bail on serious charges time and time again. And now word on the street was that he would yet again rise like a snake and get that bail. People were gathered outside the court waiting and watching. Among them, several victims of Kalicharan's atrocities. Mm. As he walked past them in a Drunken stupor, by the way. What? He was, he was drunk. drunk? You know, his friends took care of him in the police station. He spotted a woman he had raped and he called her out with a curse word. Basically a derogatory slang for a sex worker. Okay. And he said that he would be out soon to teach her a lesson. Uh-uh. Him and the cops around him laughed as if that were a hilarious joke. What's wrong with these people? This act of callousness and frivolity went over the crowd like a hot knife. The woman threw her sandal on Kalicharan's face and screamed out, If you come out, there can only be one of us alive on this earth. You or me. Oh, damn. Those are fighting words. The constables hastily escorted the accused criminals into the court as they sensed the growing anger in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Before they knew what was happening, the mob of anywhere between 50 and 100 rushed into the courtroom. 
they took out little packets of red chili powder, which they had been carrying, and they threw it into the face of the cops and the criminals. They threw rocks at them and picked up whatever they could find in the room, like chairs and tables, to beat them. The three constables and the few court officials who were in the building ran out for their lives, escaping just in the nick of time. The criminals were helpless, tied up with ropes to each other. They were beaten black and blue and lay writhing on the floor. Then, one by one, the women took turns and stabbed Kali Charan a total of 73 times, passing the knife back and forth among themselves. This was the knife that one of his guys tried to smuggle in? No, they had brought the knife. They had brought these knives with them. So this was planned. The grand finale was rather brutal, but very much on theme with the kind of violence this man once perpetrated. Oh, I feel like I know what it's going to be. A woman took the knife and hacked off Kalicharan's penis. Yes, I knew it! The weapon with which he had destroyed many lives in Kasturbanagar. What are you going to do? The once invincible and almighty powerful gangster, the bastion of toxic male aggression, now lay bloodied, tattered, and barely recognizable as human. Yeah. Kali had come for Raktabija. Durga had slayed her Mahishasura. Balance had been restored. Oh my God, I have chills. The women returned home and played loud music and everyone danced on the streets with joy. They had done what they had to do in the absence of any action from those in charge of law and order. Mm -hmm. There was a flurry of arrests, including five men and seven women. Usha Narayani, as well as the relatives of the murder victims, were arrested on suspicion of murder. A crowd of 400 women and men gathered at the courthouse to support the women for weeks and months with the help Mm -hmm. of women's rights groups. The crowd said that they would not move until the women were granted bail. Mm. Although only 50 to 100 women and men were in the courthouse, Every Mm -hmm. single resident from Kasturba Nagar claimed that they were in there. Nice. Solidarity AF. Yeah. The police theorized that a local rival gang had wound up the women to commit this murder so that they could take over the Basti as a top gang. I mean, come on, really? So what? Think about it. Why would they come up with this elaborate scheme if they just wanted to kill the guy? They could have just killed the guy. Just killed him. They could have killed him and thrown him to the tracks if they really wanted to do that. This is too elaborate to be such a petty reason. I'd be interested to know, like, what his childhood was like, Aku, Aku Yadav. I actually wouldn't be interested because he grew up in that slum. His story was typical of what was happening in every other home there. There was strife, there was misery, there was struggle, there was, I'm sure, all kinds of sad situations, but he turned out like that, not everybody else. There's yeah, just yeah. no but excuse. I would be interested to know, like, how he bumped his head, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, if there were signs that he was an actual psychopath. psychopath. Yeah. There's a powerful documentary on YouTube about this case called Candles in the Wind. I highly recommend anyone who's interested to learn more about this case take a look. They have 
interviews with a lot of residents in Kasturba Nagar. And I was in tears when the victim's mother and daughter were speaking about their misery. It was just very heartbreaking to say the least, but it kind of makes it all real. When you read about this, it almost sounds like fiction because it's just too cruel to be true. Yeah, it's so extreme. But when you see them and you see the place, it makes it all real for you and kind of kind of brings you out of that delusion that this isn't real. This can't be real. Mm-hmm. It was real. It did happen. Mm. Candles in the Wind. Check it out on YouTube, guys. Okay. And that is it for our story today. Akuyadav, the man who killed a community with death by a thousand cuts. He destroyed Seriously. the community by a thousand cuts and then the community killed him by a thousand cuts. So very apt. What do you think, Alex? Where where do you stand on the way that this mob got their justice? Oof, it's so satisfying, but in this terrible way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if there had been any recourse, I feel like these people waited long enough for the proper quote-unquote channels mm-hmm. to protect them and it was life or death. This was, to me, it was self-defense on like a massive level, I guess. I don't have a problem with it. I hope that the people who were part of the lynch mob, can we call this a lynch mob actually? Blah, yeah, blah, blah. that is the definition of it. Um, well, I just hope that the people who were involved are able to heal because that act itself is traumatic i imagine Mm -hmm. and they were really brought to a breaking point it seems like i agree it's easy to sit here in our comfortable chairs and our you know cushy lives comparatively and say that was wrong they shouldn't have broken the law they shouldn't have taken things into their own hands but they tried everything else yeah it sounds like it they tried all the available avenues and all they found were doors shut in their face They were laughed out of everywhere. What could they do? It was, as you said, self-defense. It truly was. Mm -hmm. At some point, something's got to give. Yeah. And this is what happened. And it truly is at the fault of the law enforcement in this case. Yeah. Yeah. It is on them. It is on them. And you know what happened? So the recourse after this incident... Now, everyone that was arrested eventually did get bail. So thankfully, no one's in jail for this crime Mm -hmm. long term. What they did do to show the public, hey, we're doing something. They suspended the constables who were assisting or escorting Kalicharan to the court that day because they were responsible for his safety. Mm -hmm. Like that was not the problem. Yeah, that's so unsatisfying. That was not the problem. Those constables were not the problem. I didn't read of any other cops being charged or prosecuted or suspended or whatever Mm -hmm. for assisting and practically being part of this guy's gang. I mean, I wonder. I wonder if any of them are still serving today in some community somewhere. Oh, I God, I hope not. I'm just on like Google Images. I looked... Akuyadav up Mm -hmm. and there are pictures I think these must be pictures of him drunk being led into or out of the courthouse yep like you can see the the constables that you're talking about around him and laughing 
it just adds so much insult to so much injury that they're having a laugh, that he's drunk. It's like, it really is a nightmare. Totally. There were rumors that the cops had had enough of him too. They wanted to get rid of him because they knew he would get out on bail somehow and then the public would be back banging at their door. And so they provided him with alcohol so that he couldn't defend himself, facilitated the mob to kill him off instead, which again, I find very far-fetched. Yeah. I find this very far-fetched. They wouldn't have done this at the courthouse. They would have just let him go out on bail then. If they they truly wanted to get rid of him, they would be like, fine, take bail, go out and see what happens. These theories don't make sense to me. I really hope Nagpur has improved since then. And of course, this doesn't speak for the entire city and its people, but rather a section. But it is still part of part of the whole. Yeah. Sounds like just also it was a situation where bad chaos, not the good kind, just sort of took over and it infected everyone. Interestingly enough, Alex, Nagpur has had more than just this incident when it comes to vigilante justice. In April of 1998, harassed citizens beat up local Don Gaffar. He was known to victimize women in the community and they burnt him alive. Okay. In July 1999, an angry mob lynched Bablu Langda. That means limp guy. An extortionist (gasps) and a criminal Wanted in several cases. So they okay. lynched this this Bablu Langla guy as well. This place sounds like a bad place. I'm not going. In the same month, residents of Panchil Nagar lynched and then set ablaze Ranjit Dahat, who was wanted in several cases of extortion, rape and murder. In December 1999, in Vaishali Nagar, his former partner burnt local goon Aziz Buria alive with the help of local residents. Why do they like immolating people so much? It's very um, symbolic. Medieval. Yeah, I guess so. Scary. And not three months after Aku's death, another mob in Nagpur again, comprised mainly of women, killed two gangsters who had been harassing the residents of Kirby village for the past four years. This seems to be something people in that region kind of do. It's like morbid tradition. That means that the law enforcement in that region's kind of been sucking for a long time. I feel like sometimes that's like a weird tradition too. They're like, who cares about this section of people? You know, let them kill each other. We don't give a shit. Yeah, bad cop culture. It's ignorance, negligence, apathy, and ineffective governance is what it is. One thing I found kind of interesting is that it took, what was her name? Usha? Usha Narayane. The reason why maybe she got listened to and was able to circumvent the immediate lawmen is because she had a bit more of an education. Yes. and, And so she was seen as more legitimate than other victims, which is like quite sad Exactly. But at the same time, she was able to position herself to actually be heard. And then on top of that, she had the like guts of steel to actually like face him, make a threat back. Yeah. 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 We know he's a man. We know he's just but a man. 
years and years and years of tyranny kind of condition people to be afraid and not question yeah. his actions. Because that's kind of how even domestic violence works, right? Like the victims yeah. are just over years and years of abuse, just suppressed in each in every way, yeah. mentally, emotionally. They are not able to help themselves or see rationally a way yeah. out of the situation. Especially when you don't have anything to fall back on, you have no support, you have nowhere to go. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Because our natural reaction isn't to kill someone. That's the mind of right. a criminal. That's the mind of a psychopath. It's not normal. We don't get up and think, I'm just going to kill that guy and my problem will be over. That's not what <laughs> normal people think. That's why it took more than a decade of the pain and suffering and misery building up to a frenzy. Yeah. And when the dam burst, damn, it burst. Yeah, damn <laughs> is right. Wow. I too am on the fence. I was cheering for them when I read how they killed him. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the part of me was like, God, this isn't medieval India. Yeah. But I don't blame them. I don't blame yeah. them. I don't blame them. I feel them. bad for them. I don't feel bad for Akuyadov. Nope. I feel bad for the victims. And I feel bad for even the ones who had to kill him. They are yeah. victims even in that act. Yeah, I agree. That's... That's, I think, the biggest sentiment that I'm having is that even in the act of killing him, they were victims because I don't think they felt they had a choice. Yeah. All right. I guess we can stop (laughs) with all the misery and murder. Yeah, it was an intense case. And I thought we should do something serious. Hardcore. Yeah, hardcore as our final season episode. It kind of brings to the surface a lot of social issues and things that a lot of Indians like to pretend doesn't exist or doesn't happen anymore. Totally. Are you ready for Bollywood Corner, Alex? Always. Bolly ways. There aren't that many vigilante, like mob lynching type of movies. So I thought let's just go with mm. hardcore revenge as the theme for today. I have a couple of movies to recommend. The first one is called Badlapur. It's a neo-noir action thriller from 2015. It's really good. It's kind of gratifying in a way because this man loses his family to a couple of criminals who were trying to run away from a robbery. And so he wants revenge for the senseless killing of his family. And he bides his time and finds them. And what he does to them, it's, it's really gratifying to watch that. Nice. And va- the lead actor or one of the lead actors is Varun Dhawan. This was an unusual movie for him because he's one of the typical masala Bollywood boys. Okay. You know, he does those cheesy mo- cheesy movies. Yeah. Um. So he's practically unrecognizable in this movie because he's actually acting. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> he's done a few of those offbeat kind of movies and he does well in them. There's no happy ending in the end, truly. It's a tale of broken, flawed characters who are damaged by events in their life and how they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and how things go from there. So take a look. It's interesting. It's called Badlapur. Badlapur. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can totally watch it for free there. Nice. The second movie I have to recommend is NH10. NH stands for National Highway. India's highway system is numbered in that way. Okay. NH1, NH2, blah, blah, blah. 
This is a movie which has sexism and misogyny at its core, basically. How it kind of progresses from very subtle instances of sexism and misogyny in urban circles, corporate culture, and in even liberal homes. How it exists there and how it gets worse as the lead characters go on a road trip from the glittering city into the dark and murky rural areas okay. of North India. So this is a story about Delhi and Haryana, which okay. is a state next to Delhi, a place where, you know, some of the worst crimes against women can yeah. be found. So it's like the the quote-unquote backwoods. Yes, okay. exactly. It's like the backwoods of North India. There is a case of honor killing, which this couple witnesses. Okay. And so the... The killers yeah. chase them and try to wipe them out. Yeah. And of course, the guy, you know, he's the man. So he has to act all macho and shit. Mm-hmm. And he he gets knifed. Oof. Okay. The lead actress, Anushka Sharma, she's done such a good job in this movie. So now she has to take over and kind of not only protect her husband, but keep herself alive. Yeah. Ooh, it sounds intense. Yeah. Oh, boy. Have you seen the movies I Spit on Your Grave? I think so. Yeah. It's kind of in line with those movies. Okay. This woman gets tormented and tortured and beaten up and kind of left for dead. And then she doesn't give up. She wants her revenge. Yeah. It's all in the course of one day and one night. Wow. Okay. And then she goes back and how she gets those guys. Yeah. Gets that revenge. So at least it's a little gratifying. I guess that's what's satisfying about our story today too is that like like I always imagine that if something terrible happened to me that I would mm-hmm. just be like so fueled by like rage, rage. that I would go yeah. and like I would do something terrible yeah those are our fantasies right I know <laughs> that in reality I do not have the like I don't think I have the violence in me but maybe mm-hmm. as a group you get like some courage too a group gives you the cover of anonymity yeah under which to do things you would never do as a person. So It's like The Handmaid's Tale. And she has nothing left to lose, really. And so she's like, that's it. I'm not letting these guys go. Mm-hmm. They've taken from me everything that they could. Mm. And now I'm going to end them. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's cool. an amazing movie. Yeah. Watch it. It's uh, called NH10. Yeah, and I'm going to have to watch a lot more movies so I can recommend some good stuff. Nice. Or- it's a good summer <laughs> activity. I'm going to do that, too. I'm going to be in Arizona for three weeks or two weeks, and it's going to be 100 degrees minimum, 37 degrees Celsius for any of our um, metric, whatever, listeners. So I'm not going outside for two weeks, basically. It's going to be hot Mm -hmm. as hell. I'm just going to watch lots of Bollywood movies. My dad is going to have to bear with me while I do my (laughs) quote-unquote research. Research. (laughs) I can't wait. You can can go down the line of all our episodes and uh, go watch some of the ones I've recommended there. Oh, yeah, of course. It'll be a lot easier, (laughs) I think, in the U.S. than in Paris. I still haven't, like, gotten my shit together in terms of download. Mm, I mean, legally acquiring Hindi (laughs) movies. You wouldn't steal a car, would you? (laughs) <laughs> that was that stupid ad about not illegally piracy movies. yeah piracy i loved when piracy you would like stuff. get a pirated movie and it would have the piracy warning on it <laughs> not that i've ever done that but i've heard 
that that happens. A lot of these movies were ripped in uh, Pakistan and stuff. So they'd put their own local ads in those yeah. pirated movies. And you'd see those ads like scroll up and down the screen on the side. And- oh, yeah. The most common one was Chintu Candy. <laughs> <laughs> this was this is long. This is like more than 10 years ago. OK, we were so intrigued by this Chintu Candy because you can't find it in India. And I was like, what the hell is this Chintu Candy? I want to eat what it right Chintu now. Chintu Candy. <laughs> Did you ever find out? No. If there are any Pakistani listeners, please tell me where I can buy Chintu Candy. OK, and was it good? Did you eat it? I'm looking it up. Oh, it looks like a l- mango candy or lemon. It's a fruity candy. Mm, mango candy. All right. I could go for some of that right now. You lucky people if you ever got to eat this chintu candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a real candy, that's pretty cool. But what if it was like um, an ad for like secret ad for drugs? Like, oh, you got some chintu candy. I don't know. <laughs> that's like before the dark web. This is how <laughs> <laughs> this is how worked. they did this. This chintu is candy. how they did it. I don't know. Ooh, it's party night. <laughs> Time for some Chindu candy. Chindu candy. <laughs> <laughs> party with Chindu candy. All right. Um, I think that's that's a good wrap on season one. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll kind of prepare a little better, write up a few more episodes and record and see you guys again in hopefully a month or so. Hey, send us any stories you've heard of out there, you listeners. You have heard mm-hmm. of a strange case of murder and madness. The macabre and bizarre. Yeah, like cryptids or like weird stories of UFOs or cults. Yeah, send us weird stories. Can we do like a dark episode on yoga? I want to blow that dark shit up. I'm like tired of yoga. I like it. I like doing <laughs> yoga, but I'm just like so tired of hearing everyone in the world say Shavasana, Chaturanga. I don't care if people appropriate these things to better their lives. That's totally fine. I kind of like how India took this ancient practice and just mm-hmm. marketed, you know, commercialized the shit out of it. I'm like, yes, I just hope that I just wish the country made more money out of it. It was the white hippie who took it from India and made it super popular in the U.S. So thank Americans for popularizing yoga. But I feel like Indians could take advantage of it now because you have like people going to India and Nepal trying to like learn, you know, become yogic masters. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. good for them because I'm sure it helps. It helps a lot. I mean, I love yoga, but Props. also tiny, tiny, tiny side story. The reason why I'm so pessimistic or whatever you want to call it is because I was going to this yoga studio in New York City for like several years and I found out in the last year that it was kind of a cult and they were doing all kinds of bad stuff and what what were they doing they were like not paying their teachers there were stories (gasps) about sexual assault racism prejudice of every shape and form um like crazy shit there were people getting like sexually assaulted in the studio that I actually practice in Holy shit. It all came out in 2020. And the guy who like started this, it was a nonprofit too. Like the whole concept was Mm. like uh, donation based yoga. But that was obviously just like a tax evasion racket. And the guy who had like brought the yoga over had learned from some other guru in India who was a total fraud. And it was like, we should cover this story. It could be really interesting. But since then, I'm just like, I've been having a really hard time 
like being okay with yoga. <laughs> yeah, we could look into the dark side of yoga. It would be an Eastern concept gone bad in the West. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? cool. Yeah, we could do that for sure. <laughs> there are a couple of reviews um, that came in, in the, over the last week. And I am over the moon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Daisy boy. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy boy. Shout out. <laughs> Daisy boy. And also there's a review by number one fan club member. They say that they like listening to us when they do chores. And that is perfect. That is what we aim for. We want to be that voice in the background that you can just enjoy as you do as you go along doing, you know, yeah. life stuff. So thank you. Do your life. And you can check out more episode details, movie links, etc. on Crimes from the East. Dot com and our Instagram page as well, where I'm very active. So if you want to comment there on the post, you want to ask questions or just or whatever, send me a message. I'm on Instagram on Crimes from the East. And that is all, guys. See you again next season on another episode of Daisy True Crime with a little masala, masala and, and spice. spice. Mirchi. Woo! <laughs> Namaste! <laughs> Namaste! Bye bye!